Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Beer Cake Podcast. I'm your host, JJ Co. And today we have uh, my very good friend, Robin Brady Ince. Hello. So, Robin, do you go by Robin Brady Ince or Robin Ince? Or... It depends on my flow or what I'm doing on the day. So, yeah. But okay. Either way is fine. I answer to both. <laughs> you also answer to Robin, I guess. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. 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 Cool. How are you? I am doing well. But listen, before we go further, I must ask you, where did you get that screen? Because I need it in my life. Um, actually, I got it long time ago. I, I got it on Amazon. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not I'm not endorsing Amazon. I'm not uh, advertising Amazon. And by just saying that, I said Amazon three more times than I needed to, but yeah. We're endorsing the need for a screen. That's what we're <laughs> yeah. endorsing. I'm going to need you to send me some information about that after this. Oh yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I got it a long, long time ago. I got it like 10 years ago um, when I first moved into this current apartment and um, I wanted something like a decor kind of thing. And I originally had this, uh, propped up against the wall in a little sort of foyer foyer area in my apartment. And I had a little dining table and all that. And it looked really nice. I took a picture of it when I, uh, after I first set it up and it looks really nice. It almost looked like a restaurant table. I like it. Yeah. But of course we ended up not using the table. The table is basically storage. We just, we just like pile things on it. <laughs> Nobody actually That's what happens. There. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that, you know, before you didn't even know it, but you were forward thinking a decade ago for a moment like this. So it's great. Well, Very look cool. at that. I'm a forward thinking person and exactly. I didn't even know it. There you go. There you go. I like no, it. You're, you're being very kind. Uh, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think it's true. So, so uh, my podcast is called Beer Cake and there's a story behind it. And uh, to commemorate the launch of my podcast, I actually made beer cake and I sent you one, Robin. You did. Yeah. I'm excited. There and, it is. Um, here's mine. I put it in a bowl for some reason because oh. I thought if I put it on a plate, uh, all the crumbs will fall out because I'm, I'm such a klutz. Now, uh, does anyways. it go with whipped cream? So when I have my second piece, I could put some whipped cream on it. I think whipped cream would be nice. I think, I think you I could go a la mode that. also. I like it. I like and it. And it's a, it's a dense cake. It's kind of like... Um, I would just say like pound cake consistency, maybe even a little denser. Um, you could probably like after a couple of days, um, you could probably put some butter on it and toast it too. Yeah, uh, you could yes. probably do it like that as well. I'll be able to talk myself into thinking it's breakfast and not dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Well, it has lots of good stuff. It has nuts and raisins. Um, well, flour and eggs, I guess, and and a can of beer. Um, <laughs> I love I, it. Actually, in my in, in this particular case, a bottle of beer. Um, oh. oh, I sh yeah, I actually wanted to bring. Well, you know, bottle uh, beer comes in six packs, and so you only need one one can or one bottle for the cake um, but you know you have to buy it in the six pack so I got a brand or the type of beer that I like to drink um, but I'm thinking I was debating whether or not to go with like a stout beer uh, mm -hmm. to add that more sort of earthy flavor into the cake I think it will go rather nice 
but um but I decided to go with a lighter uh kind I got a Belgian uh white beer because I tend to like light beer or white nice beer. I like those too yeah. well, so now I'm wondering though when you're making the beer cake and pouring the beer in are you required also to drink beer <laughs> <laughs> question it like, was not drinking the beer was not in the recipe itself okay but, but is it in the process is it in your process in this case it was so mm. so yes in the process I used uh two bottles of beer one in the cake and one drinking it while I was making it beautiful it's yeah beautiful so yeah. you were fully in the beer moment I was fully in the beer yes. moment yes I think it's important I might have to do that when uh, when I try to make it it looks beautiful though. oh yeah so I'll, send you, yes, I'll send you the recipe yeah raisins and not cranberries the raisins um, we, we use raisins I don't know if cranberries will go well but raisins is really actually optional um i think the original recipe well here's the thing the story behind beer cake it's the first cake that i learned how to make and i always thought that my aunt taught me how to make it and maybe she did but the recipe did not originate from her it actually originated from uh, my grandmother which is my aunt's mother or my father's mother and um, so recently, uh, I had a call with my sisters and my cousins um, over the holidays, and uh, we were talking about this, and I had some questions about, like, where the recipe came from and who started making it and all that stuff. And apparently, everything I remember about it is wrong. <laughs> oh, no. But does it make for a good story? Yeah. That's the well question. Because I thought it came from my aunt and, and everybody said, no, it came from my grandmother. I'm like, okay. And then I also thought that um, the recipe was not something that they made up, but that, um, well, the way I remember is my aunt went to a restaurant, had a cake there, and she liked it so much. She asked the waitress you know, if she could have the recipe and the owner, she asked the owner and the owner said, okay, got the recipe. Apparently it was like a, a family recipe or something, brought it home, started making it and then passed that down to us so that we started making it. But apparently no one else in my entire family, nor my cousins remember any piece of this a story. So I'm thinking either I dreamt it or made it up or something who knows it's like it's your truth <laughs> it's your truth there you go it's your truth. yeah it's uh, no and also we all all of us have different versions of the recipe so um, my, my um my dad's mom my grandmother would make seven up cake oh nice yeah. yes so maybe that's as close as she allowed herself to get to beer <laughs> The no. seven up cake was amazing. And here's the thing. Uh, my family, we don't drink. Uh, well, my parents didn't drink. So we didn't grow up drinking either. And so the only time when we had alcohol in the house was when we were making this cake. And because beer comes in a six pack, whenever we made beer cake, we made a whole bunch of them oh. and gave it away to people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Every month? Uh, I don't know. I, I do remember there was a period of time when we made it quite frequently. Um, 
and to eat as well as to give away. So wait, wait, wait. So was the idea that you made them frequently so that you could knock out all six bottles of beer or was it that you made them frequently so that you could use one and drink one and have no, it be okay? We did not drink it. Okay. No, no, no. We, we did not drink it. Yeah. None of us knew how to drink. Well, that's really cool though. So like six pack, you get six cakes. Six cakes. That's yeah, a lot man. of cakes. People that's could show up at your house with a six pack and be like, eh, yeah. I just happen to have this case of beer. What you um, going to do with it? Yeah, I, I think it was also because uh, we just liked it, you know, and so we made it often. Yeah, I like it. Well, do we get to see? Oh, yes. Okay, so we get to eat it. Okay, okay, okay. We're, we're going to eat it on camera. <laughs> well, I know what it tastes like, but I think you're having it for the first time. I am having it for the first time. Okay, so we're going to eat it. Mm. This is really good. Mm. You could definitely have it for breakfast. Mm. Yes, and it definitely would work with some whipped cream or warm with some butter or with cream cheese. Mm. Cream cheese would be nice. It is happiness. I'm wondering maybe we could put cream cheese in the batter. Have like a cream cheese beer cake version. Yeah. That would be good. You just have to balance it out. But that's really... So is there like nutmeg in here? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. No, I'm going to have... You didn't tell me I could have another bite. Oh, no, you could. You could absolutely... You could keep eating it. <laughs> So, um, so this podcast is not about beer cake. <laughs> it's just called that. <laughs> and it's not about food or eating, uh, but it is, it is about lives, uh, our lives. Uh, it is about stories or our stories uh, about who we are, what we do. Um, so in my, in my podcast description, and I keep editing it. So I think the current version is... Um, stories of who we are, what we do, where we're headed, stories that make us, break us, uh, connect us, divide us, and then something. Ch uh, move us, change us. Yeah, something like that. I like it. That's like a song. Uh, is it? Yeah, maybe I could turn it into a song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. This beer cake is like the truth. <laughs> oh man, it's the best. Well, oh, my goodness. It's it's you know that's it's an interesting metaphor actually because there's so many versions of it, isn't there? And um and that's kind of you know how things are too. There's so many versions mm -hmm. of everything, especially today. <laughs> today, I don't know, today's climate. I just feel like um there's so many things going on uh in in today's world that's just uh i feel like no one can agree on anything at this mm -hmm. point yeah no one's really agreeing on anything and and it's it's gotten to the point where i feel like people not only can't agree on things but they're unwilling to agree on things yeah but that i mean i think exactly and I, I think that um you know the thing that excites me is that there's such possibility in the fact that people aren't agreeing 
because if they exercise the choice to come together to at least talk about their perspectives, then we can shape possibility together. I think, you know, where we are here in 2021, we're really at a choice point, right? And so we can choose to sort of come together and have conversations, not for the purpose of agreeing, but for the purpose of just reinvigorating, reestablishing dialogue, um, mm -hmm. and then be able to kind of build together or build separately, but not um, in an adversarial way, I think. Yeah, and and... I, I love the way you put that um, because I, I think I think that's also what's been kind of eroding over, you know, in the in recent history is people are not really talking, talking. Mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, they're tweeting, they're <laughs> they're posting they're you know, everything is very instant, brief, out of context um and and just misconstrued mm -hmm, constantly. Mm -hmm. uh soundbite after soundbite and um and not really trying to understand where the other person is coming from now that's that's sort of like in the you know out there in the ether but i wonder how things are though on a on a one-on-one -on -one basis because um while i'm cognizant of what's kind of going on out there. Um, it's sometimes difficult to gauge that what you see on social media and also media and, and the news in, in news and, and all that, if, even if, if even that is reality because it's so amplified at, by that point. Yeah. And, um, and so having these one-on-one -on -one conversations, I feel like this is where it needs to start. You know. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's fascinating to me. You know the, you know, with the um, murder of Brother George Floyd, what wound up manifesting um, back in June were conversations with folks that I had been working with uh, in the space of education advocacy. You know, each person approaching it through our organizations, all with an eye toward raising opportunities for young people. But, you know, and often in the space of work, there isn't time to kind of talk about what one believes or is struggling with, or even who, who you are, like who, who is it that you're bringing to these conversations that makes you inclined to work on behalf of others. Uh, and I remember one conversation I had with a white woman who I think is a little older than I am, grew up in the South and been working uh, with a particular organization that I was partnered with um, and really just talking about some of the um, feedback that they've gotten, that they had gotten from their black employees about how they felt, how they, how they felt that the, um, the institution wasn't necessarily meeting their needs, but you know the institution, to their credit, hadn't really had them had those particular uh, gaps articulated in a way in a confined moment where they felt that they could do anything about it. And so, you know, that heightened pain, the heightened fear, the heightened anger created a space to listen differently and choose whether or not um, they wanted to address the matter differently. And in the same way. 
it challenged me to listen in a different way and choose whether or not I wanted to speak into what it is she brought to the conversation. And I did. And um, it was really just a great opportunity to, to share our perspectives, to see where we may have agreed or disagreed, and then to sort of come up with solutions for how to best work with those employees, not from a place of apology, but from a place of just listening and understanding and, and so that they could come up with solutions together that they agreed would have to happen on an ongoing basis, right? But initially her, her whole perspective was just to be in apology for everything that the black employees were bringing um, as if it were singularly her fault, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, that doesn't help anyone. You don't, you know, this is not really about sort of massaging individual guilt. This is about listening yeah. in a way and also not being attacked and interrogated by a set of employees. So that's, that's the other thing I think that happens sometimes is that, you know, if, if an individual shows weakness, then, you know, everyone comes at them and, you know, that doesn't really solve anything either. So, um, yeah. yeah, but I was grateful. I was grateful for that, for that conversation. Wait, so let's kind of, the, there was a lot of things that you said right there. <laughs> so let's kind of like, Take it, you know, a little bit at a time. So you had a conversation with who again? A white woman that I had been working with in uh, my education advocacy. Okay. She worked at a different institution, but we had been, um, our organizations had been partnered together and we had been doing work together, um, you know, for, for some years. Okay. And this is a, as a, you as a function of uh, being part of a nonprofit organization. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Should we yeah, say what that, the organization is or? Yeah, matter? well, it's a, I'll say it's a nonprofit organization that works yeah. on behalf of um, underserved communities. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the kind of work that you've been doing a lot of actually, um, actually throughout your career, I would say you've done some form of advocacy or, uh, empowerment or, or, you know, uh, yes. bringing programs to underserved communities, mm -hmm. particularly yes. in the area of education. I think that's been your focus um, mm -hmm. in your career. By the way, I, uh, I read the bio that you, you sent and I, I had forgotten uh, some of the some of the details of your background and, and reading your bio, uh, you know, again this time I was like so impressed wow this is somebody I actually know <laughs> let me tell you thank you for that it's it's crazy I um heard someone reading it and I thought wow you know she's really cool I kind of like to know her yeah yeah because I would I mean yeah it, it is unbelievable um actually it's it's um I don't know the word maybe humbling to hear that, but I, yeah, um, yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. You. Thank uh, you. Uh, so just just as a way of background, so I've known Robin since 1999. Like Prince, I it's love been, it. <laughs> it's been 22 years. Well, yeah, almost 22 years. Almost I think 22? September, it'll be 22 years. Yeah. yeah. Is that when so, we started working together? Is that when we met? Because we, you were... I know we worked on a 
community. Oh, I, I volunteered for an event that you put together. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So if you count that, I think that was in probably 98. It, uh, or 97, 97 or 98, because 97 is when I joined that company. Yeah. That we both worked at. Um, yeah. But that was January 97. So it could very well have been. No, this was a, a spring event. I think it was like take your uh, children to work day. That might be it. And it's interesting because I remember you as kind of challenging me to or it to be better. I, did. I don't know. That's what that's what's coming to me is just, um, you know, the cool thing about you, like in everything you do, you always, you know, like you engage with it and then you have a really good eye for elevating and improving it so that it has a broader reach and impact. Like everything you do is so cool. Uh, I'm going to say that is a very kind and generous way of looking at how I am. No, seriously, because some people might see that as uh, as someone being just critical, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, but, but then that means that they're not seeing all of you, right? Because the thing is, yes, you do critique. You are good for critiquing <laughs> things. Um, and, and then you stay in to help build and create, right? So someone who That's just right. sees someone who's critical isn't isn't receiving all of you, right? They're, right. They're so, yeah, you're that, multidimensional. That is true. I don't, I don't just criticize and then walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I critique and I say, okay, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was I, great. I do do that. Yeah. Well, but you know what? Um, if you ask some people that uh, my way of helping is sometimes taking over. So, <laughs> well, and again, you know, some folks say they just not ready for you. That's, <laughs> so you, you just keep it moving. Go to somebody else. Yeah. You know, every um, shoe doesn't fit. <laughs> the shoe doesn't fit. You know, I've, I've noticed over the years that um, there are certain personalities. I, ha- I definitely find certain personality types challenging more challenging to work with or or to spend time with than others yeah Um, yeah yeah and um yeah I don't know we could maybe we could go into that later yes yes we're probably both thinking of you know different personalities um no actually no the these people uh, the particular people that I'm thinking of as an example for the type personality type uh you don't know because um they're they're the ones they're people that I got to know after uh, I left our mutual employment. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I wasn't thinking about certain people. I was thinking about just personality oh. types in general. Yeah. 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 But, but anyway, yeah. uh, we could, we could talk about personality types maybe later. Cause that, that that's sort of like my area, um, you know, having studied psychology, although sneak a bite you can sitting right here I, I know you could it. just keep eating uh, for those who are on audio only uh robin is sneaking a bite another bite of the beer cake and spectacular um, but Love it's it. kind of funny yeah <clears throat> but anyway let's go back to what you were saying so this um you're working you're working at a nonprofit organization that serve underserved youth uh in uh people people oh okay Mm -hmm. underserved people Mm -hmm. um and particularly in the area of education like providing access or 
Yeah, but you know, if you if we're talking about this particular scenario I raised, um, I was I was invited into the conversation because I'm black, and okay. because that um, individual and I had um, you know a pretty trusting relationship professionally, and you know, again, I I appreciated that she was felt confident enough to raise a question to me, um, and that I am at a place. Well, I mean, it's been for many, many years that I'm, um, I'm in a walk where I can choose to connect or not connect in that kind of conversation. Like sometimes, you know, I'm not always trying to educate people about what it is to be black because that can be, you can wear yourself out. Um, but in 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 that particular conversation, um, that I was in a space of mind and a space of time. Mm -hmm. to be in conversation with her I appreciated that but yeah it was it was really about just how to navigate some things that she had heard from um her team that she wasn't aware of and it was kind of shocking for her and she wanted to do the right thing and um be responsive in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. and we were just kind of brainstorming um, yeah yeah, I mean, the, this past summer, summer of 2020, 2020 certainly has been a, an incredible year in so many respects. Um, and um, I mean, you could say good or bad. I, I, I wouldn't even qualify it as good or bad. Yeah. It was definitely challenging in, in so many ways, um, and, you know, on a personal level, as, as well as a community, societal and national level as well. And just the summer just exploded. <laughs> it just exploded. And um, and I, for one, did not really know how to. Um, I think I, I pretty much sort of stayed on the sideline, just kind of like watch everything unfold, not really knowing what to make of any one particular aspect or another, but just trying to take a step back and looking at it in a more macro level as to what does this mean in terms of this um, this country and uh, race relations and all the, you know, um, the political unrest and it's just so many things. It's just, it was like a ticking time bomb, I felt yeah. like, that just kind of exploded. But then ultimately, I'm not sure if it really went anywhere either. Yeah, I think it remains to be seen. Um, yeah. You know, what was so... Um, was a little disconcerting to me was that the narrative around the whole set of uprisings and protests were centered in the Black Lives Matter movement, which I think for some folks was a limiting way to look at it and it didn't mm-hmm. lend itself to, you know, holistic conversation. Um, you know, I am absolutely in agreement that my life matters, uh, not to the exclusion, however, of other people's lives. And in the time that we're in, you know, given all the stress that's going on, given, you know, all of the um, struggle or not around the coronavirus and, you know, 
income, job security, et cetera, et cetera, to sort of um, have a movement come forward that just centers one group as seemingly more important than, an, than another almost compromises the conversation from the very beginning. And, you know, and I say that carefully because, you know, I think that there are folks where if, um, if one interrogates at all, sort of the, that approach is not necessarily received positively. Um, you know, I really think 2020 in some respects is a time of reckoning and it's a time yep. of, of reflection, right? The 20 reflecting to the 20, right? The mirror. Um, and really from a, a spiritual perspective, I don't believe that spiritually, universally, naturally, or even as a Christian walk, um, that things are supposed to be seen as individualistic. It's, it's not. Um, it's that we are connected. You know, one, one thing was really cool. At one point I was talking with my aunt and she mentioned to me that the water in Venice was blue. And, <laughs> right? And I saw a picture of it. I'd never seen the water in Venice being blue, nor had I ever contemplated that it should be blue. It just, <laughs> right, was always what it was, which was murky and people doing their you know the boats on it um but to see it gondolas yeah the gondolas (laughs) to see it blue it it told me here is this intersection this connectedness right if we do this this is what manifests if we do that this is what manifests it's just it's right in front of our eyes and um, we as humans have the ability to choose you know, that, that kind of connectedness to understand that connectedness and the intersections and the inter interrelatedness of us yeah. Um, yeah. in this moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there were certainly a lot of missed opportunities in, in that context of what you just said, um, because here, you know, I mean, the the water in Venice being blue is one and people in India finally being able to see the Himalayas in, in the horizon. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because all that pollution went away. And so oh, Los Angeles, Los the Angeles. Went, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. All that smog went away and, and all that, but then of course they have the fires and that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a whole other podcast. It's a, it's a whole other podcast. Mm. But, um, I mean, certainly, certainly the lockdown and the and the and the pandemic, um, you know, it brought all kinds of hardships, you know, economically and socially and all that stuff. But also did bring, um, you know, I think those of us who took were able to take advantage of it and and even think to take advantage of, you know, the opportunity. Um, I think one one anecdote I heard was uh, a friend of mine. Um, he and his brothers and sisters are, I think, scattered, I think, all over the world. And um, because of the pandemic and everybody connecting over virtual, um, you know, platforms like Zoom, um, or should we even say that? Well, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> sorry, if I name drop, I'm not necessarily advertising it. It's just whatever. whatever. But anyway, um, yeah, they started having like regular um, uh you know virtual uh, yeah virtual calls um 
uh, yeah. So, I mean, that that's just a very small and very personal anecdote. But yeah, but I think there were definitely a lot of missed opportunities. I think had we not been mired in so much political turmoil and where everything, virtually everything was just politicized mm-hmm. and, and not... Um, and also, I feel like not only were things politicized, but we were not allowed to uh, even look at it and talk about it differently. Like, like it, we have to talk about it in those terms only. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and, and it, it, it was kind of funny. I was having a conversation with a friend uh, about masks, <laughs> of all things, and how even masks were politicized. And we were arguing back and forth and everything that came out of her mouth, I felt like were the same talking points I heard from the pundits and everything I said were the same things that, again, like two sides. Yes. And, like, and we eventually said, okay, we're not gonna, we're just going in circles. <laughs> so. You know, it happens. I think there are people who like, you know, I know folks in, in my circle where, you know, there's certain things I just, we just don't talk about. Because yeah. it's just this kind of stark X or Y perspective. Um, you know, even with the vaccine, yeah. um, you know, there are a set of people who are just diehard for the vaccine and any questions raised about it are taken as being anti-vaccine, right? So I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with someone and I was asking questions, which interestingly just got brought up in a uh, town hall that I was on um, a couple of days ago, which was, you know, if I missed that, the, the um, span of time for the second dose, do I have to start all over again? Yeah, I think it's a legit question. That's and a so, legitimate question about any vaccine. Yeah, exactly. That takes multiple doses. Yeah. In asking just that question, it, and what I said is, that's a question I want you know, I wanted this individual to ask when going to get the shot, just ask if I miss that date for whatever reason, do I have to start, you know, what happens? Do I have to start all over again? Mm-hmm. It was read as my being anti-vaccine and really asking a question to kind of just, you know, in, interrogate and find and poke holes in the reason to take the vaccine. Right. Yeah. But why does it have to be? Why I can't a know. question just be a question? I don't know. Yeah, And so I just decided to, you know, I said, I'm not pushing against it. I think this is a legitimate question to ask because you need to know what's going to happen if for some reason you miss that date for the second shot. Because, uh, and there there is some leeway too, I think. And and how how wide is that leeway? Is it a matter of days? Is it a matter of weeks or months? You know, like how long can I you know let lapse before the second dose actually becomes effective i don't know and the you thing know. that drives me crazy is there's so many caveats for yeah. each vaccine like it's almost like universally this perpetuation of a state of confusion is what you know the darkness is trying to have happen mm-hmm. like i've thought a lot about star wars and you know just even um sort of you know the the comic book stories where there's always this fight of light and darkness yep. of good and evil um and a lot of times it comes down to someone making a decision yes to go one way or another way but 
yeah, it shouldn't be like one vaccine is X number of days. The other vaccine is Y number of days. Another vaccine is one shot. It's just, and from an equity perspective, if someone isn't well-versed in all the different options and all the different nuances, how do they know what the truth is? And then if they don't know what the truth is, then how are they confident and secure that what's happening to them is good or right or, or, or progress? Um, yeah. I don't understand it. Um, yeah. Um, so I think, um, you know, I think what it, well, there's a few things there. One is um, our faith in institutions um, and people of authority and, and, you know, and positions of authority um, have eroded uh, com almost completely, I would say. Yeah. You know, it's like no one can, no one trusts anyone. Um, or, yeah. <laughs> Um, that that's one. Our faith in institutions, because they have, especially in 2020, they have failed so miserably in so many ways. That's one. The yeah. other one is then, is it up to left up to the individual to sort of re do all the research possible to figure out who is telling the truth or you know what the truth is, uh, what the correct facts are. Even that, it's it's very difficult. I mean, yeah. like. When I, you know, I, I don't listen or watch the news every day. Uh, I kind of tend to do it on a weekly basis and sort of catch up for the entire week. Um, mm. I know it's I kind of binge watch news, too. <laughs> a lot. Okay, okay. I, I know. <laughs> But I feel like I don't want to, I don't want to be in the news every day. So, you know, especially in 2020, it just became too much. And why is it being the same thing? It's like, oh my goodness, are we reporting on the same exact thing for three days in a row? It's just, oh, it's mind boggling to me. Well, okay. But, you know, my, my point was that, um, that I don't listen to just one news source. I actually listen mm -hmm. to a whole bunch of different news sources to figure out you know where the truth may lie because uh, everyone is th there's no shared sort of consensus or shared agreement or shared experiences anymore I feel like like everyone is in their own bubble I'm trying to break out of the bubble and try to like look at as many different perspectives as possible to you know figure out not just what information I should take in uh, in order to live uh, and make decisions for myself and my family, but also trying to understand what other people may be consuming and therefore concluding because mm -hmm. um, at least I want to be aware of what's going on. I, and I don't know, but, but that can be tiring too. You know, you know what I mean? It's just, I do. I yeah, do. I do. And, and and deeply jarring and disturbing as well. It's um, that you have to yeah. do that. The mm -hmm. fact that you have to do that. Otherwise, what happens is, uh, and depending on, you know, the particular network or particular podcast or, you know, whatever your source of information is, that if you only stick to that, uh, the deeper you go into a particular sort of uh, narrative, um, 
And I feel like that's kind of dangerous because I feel like everyone is operating on a narrative these days. Yes. That, you know, we're not we're not having open and honest dialogue, but here's my narrative. And and I'm going to make everything else fit into that narrative. You know, and and we and I think so many of us are being indoctrinated unwittingly. Mm hmm. You know, well, and- they I mean, well they say that whole thing about like um, you know, the whole move toward data analytics and sort of what you look up on the internet. Oh and yeah, what you look up on the social media platforms. They're able to I forget the word for it, but they're basically able to sort of curate and customize what yeah. you have access to, um, which is just and for me i was on the receiving end of that for something and i was thinking i i just don't i don't want just this information yeah i want other information as well um and and it's almost like having to push through from the deep end of a pool to get to the surface to get to the light um was what it felt like to do that to get access to that that particular information not that it was hard to but there was a lot that I had immediate access to that wasn't what I needed and it wasn't what I asked for. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. um, Yeah. I I do want to sort of get back to another point that you made um, in terms of, um, you know, just having conversations that we don't have conversations anymore. So um, I forget when it was, you said it and about what specifically, uh okay i forgot i should i should take notes as i'm talking (laughs) but um that um oh yes you were talking about we were talking about the summer and all the the protests and riots and and all that stuff and um and you were saying that um um the whole thing sort of uh started with blm and but also took many sort of or maybe splintered or or maybe other factions kind of piled on as well and it became this sort of weird thing that in my opinion did not really go anywhere uh, productive or concrete or any kind of solution other than uh, some localities actually defunding the police, which I, I don't think is the solution. But yeah. Um, yeah, and you were saying how like um, that we weren't really having conversations that we needed to. So I guess um, I guess the, my question is, how can we have those conversations? Um, I I personally am not on any kind of, you know, a group or committee or or any kind of organization where um, you know we have those uh, conversations, and I'm not yeah. even sh- sure if anyone is really having any conversations. Um, my only conversations are these one on ones, and that's it. <laughs> well, those maybe those kind of conversations, yeah, they kind of, those kind of conversations make a difference, right? Um, and you know. So I remember at one point seeing um, uh, a brother of Asian descent, I say brother in the solidarity perspective, not the ethnic ethnic perspective, I like black, um, 
but right. He was of Asian descent. He was leading uh, one of the marches in Manhattan. And I've never been witness to that. Never been witness to that, right? So here was a young man of Asian descent who was leading a group of marchers of all different ethnicities, perspectives. It was fascinating to me, right? That in and of itself is the story we missed. That you that there were people who came together across all these differences, singularly focused on it's not right to murder yep. people. And particularly in this moment, it's not right to just flat out murder these black men and the black women who in the span of I think it was March to June, were just killed and not have any accountability for that, right? Um, and so those people came together to come into the streets to say it wasn't right and to, you know, rally, I guess, if you will, on social media. And interestingly, the emergence was the pitting against. Then mm. it became Black Lives Matter, so then blue lives matter has to rise up and, and then all lives um, matter yeah that's not the conversation the that's conversation not, yeah. is if you murder someone yeah you should be held accountable hard stop that's it right but what happened is because this whole black lives matter blue lives matter all lives matter blah 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 elevated that's where we got shifted to was yeah. that competitive conversation which th that's the thing that that is that is unfortunate and disturbing and i think these are the, us at this point in january 2021 saying now what did we accomplish right yeah. what what came from that um and again i think it's purposeful i think it's purposeful right if you have emergence of unity then and you don't want that to manifest and grow then what's the best thing to do divide divide yeah, yeah yeah right yeah um and you have to be present to that you have to know nine times out of ten you know if, if things are going in a particular way anything that's taking away from that direction might be purposeful you have to watch for it and be prepared for it and then intentionally move forward Right. Mm -hmm. I started to say intentionally work against it, but if you intentionally work against it, again, you're being distracted. So you just have to intentionally continue to walk forward. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think then, you know, I think ultimately, I wouldn't say everyone because there are genuine sort of disruptors and anarchists who just want to blow things up. Mm -hmm. Um but I think the majority of us, um, I think our goal is the same or at least in the same sphere. Um, but maybe we, where we disagree is how we go about doing that, right? Yeah. And I think that's always the, the, you know, the question is how do we accomplish what we all want mm -hmm. um, and where we disagree um, and the path and methods and the tactics and which then you know also leads to policies um you know that 
ultimately it needs to be a compromise of sort. It, for, yes. In, for lack of better word. Well, and hopefully, right, that's what we'll start seeing a bit elevated in just what happens out of Washington, D.C., with, you know, with the government itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that that didn't exist in the prior administration, but it wasn't elevated. It wasn't, you know, it didn't get to the, to the public sphere in a, um, a consistent manner such that people could have that perspective about, you know, what, what was going on. So hopefully, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. They, you know, if you think about, um, and just like think about a little kid who maybe is coming, has, has aged from like 10 or 10 to 14, mm-hmm. right? And what you've been witness to um yeah and, and what that's manifested and what what is what's the counter narrative to that for what approach could be an effective approach and what approach could be perhaps you know effective but not for the long-term approach if if there is an intentional teaching and interrogating and discussions about what people are witness to then that I think perpetuates division and confusion um, and this kind of isolation. Like it just really requires, um, it's interesting, I, so I was mentioning to you when we started this that I was listening to a sermon today and it was really about um, fear and how fear can take you off course. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to sort of get rid of fear, the number one thing is you have to confront it. Right, and if you can confront it, then you can conquer it, and if you can conquer it, then you can control for it. Right? Um, if if that if the thing you fear or if the thing that's causing fear isn't confronted, and it could just be you know a reticence in one's own self, um, then the narrative of I'm not good enough, I can't, they won't like me they, you know, they're against me wins and there isn't growth beyond that. Uh, so, so just to, just to clarify, so there's a fear, you confront it, you conquer it. And what was the third thing? Control it. Control it. You so, can, and I, and you know, and I say control for it, it's, I think it's control for the climate that you might be in where your inclination is to be fearful. That's right. So I, yeah. that's what I, what what I wanted to clarify that. So by saying confront your fear, conquer it, and control for it, does not mean what you're doing is you're confronting something that's external and conquering another person or entity and controlling the external entity or person. That's not what you're talking about. What no. you're talking about is really internal our own perspectives and the way we respond and act and behave um in that uh uh in the face of the thing that we fear absolutely yeah absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. because what happens you know what happens so often is you 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 know the first inclination which is great is to blame the thing or the person or the institution And why not? It's easier for someone to be upset with that external thing and and place blame and responsibility on that external thing 
than it is for that person to do some self-reflection and, and understand, you know, what is it that I'm assuming is going to happen if I, right, that then is making me decide not mm -hmm. to do whatever it is I need to do, mm -hmm. um, which could be speak up, um, go for that job interview, um, you know, tell someone in your life, you know, that's enough, you know, to walk away, to walk to all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's in some ways, you know, I think a lot of that self reflection reflection whether on a personal level or even in a, at a societal level mm -hmm. organizational yes. level um you know is missing in in today's uh society uh you know that we don't allow ourselves to take a moment step back and and you know and soberly um sort of look at and and sort of um discern uh what's actually going on and why am i feeling or thinking these things mm -hmm. uh you know in light of what's going on um and what to do about it in a in a holistic and and productive and beneficial way yeah we don't do enough yeah. of that nope nope <laughs> and, because yeah. it's hard work. It's hard work. And it is hard scary. work. And, and then, you know, who wants to think, oh, shoot. Yeah. The reason that this hasn't happened for me is because I've been holding myself back. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. you, you know, it, what do you do with that? What do you do with that regret? I, you know, when regret comes up and anger and disappointment in yourself comes up, what do you do with that? And I think that kind of goes to um, the, the, the teaching today that you confront it and then you conquer it and then you control for it. It's interesting because at one point he also did it in a different order and he said confront, control, and conquer, right? So I think they could be interchangeable, yeah. but it's work. And, you know, now like you were saying earlier, things are so instantaneous, right? It's supposed to be, I read this self-help book, I fill out the little workbook, and then, you know, I have a talk show to tell people how to fix their lives. Well, have you <laughs> totally fixed your life? Yeah, right. Well, where are you I, in your journey for that, right? I, so. I, think, I think it's okay. Well, let me sort of, Oh, not you. Like you should no, I, have a podcast. Oh no, 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 That's no. Right. I understand. I understand you. You didn't mean me specifically. I did not. Yeah. At all. Yeah. No. But uh, let me just sort of uh, add to what you just said. I think. I think it's okay uh, for, a, you know, for someone uh, to immediately after you know uh, consuming something, then to spit it out. But be honest about it and sit in, be honest that that is what you're doing. Hey, here's something great that I read. I'm nowhere near actually accomplishing this thing. Yeah. But here it is. I think it might be helpful to all of us. And, you know, so in the, in the spirit of sharing and, and also being part of that journey, not in the, 
in the spirit of like, hey, here's this great thing. You all should do it because I said so or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's funny, exactly to the point, because as I was telling you, you know, the um, uh, sermon, I was thinking to myself, "Hmm, you know, I need to go look at those notes. Right. So after (laughs) the beautiful thing about this particular um, minister is that they're like a lot of them, there are certain notes that can be accessed, accessed, accessed um, before or after. And I need to read those uh, and just be mindful about how they apply in my life. Uh, and it's, I'm, I'm in gratitude for that because it's also something that's been, that's come up on to my awareness that I also, I think I'm gonna share with a friend of mine who's struggling with some things and you know, I think part of that struggle is this um, a, a lack of stillness to let things settle so that they can be confronted. There's been no stillness. Everything mm. has been go, 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 do, do, do. And um, there's a point now where there's a realization that, this, that, that, that those actions aren't enough and that there's still some healing that needs to happen. Um, The challenge is that there are are a number of different people and entities now who are waiting for that person to produce for them. And uh, again, it's a choice point, right? So the person's at the point where they can either do for these people and the institutions that are waiting or do for self. And right now, it's both of those things have been attempted to be happening at the same time. And I think right now it's a choice where you're either going to do for others or you're going to do for self and then go back to um, the people. And the last thing I'm going to say, I think that's where courage comes in because if, if in doing for self, you know, the fear is I might not have that opportunity anymore. Um, and I think that's, that's where faith can come in. You know, what's for you will be for you. Yeah. Yeah. Later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, and that, that sort of feeling of, well, if I don't do this now or take this action now, even though it may be ill-conceived, uh, because you feel like if I don't do it now, I'll never do it or, or whatever. It's that, uh, unless you actually you're dead <laughs> there's always going to be an opportunity yeah um yeah. well yeah. and that's where the fear thing comes in because really that's fear that's yeah. fear right yeah so you know if you if you're courageous then it's okay to let those things go because what's for you will come for you um yeah and be there or, yeah. my, or you know as well as i do sometimes is that the thing that was there wasn't the best and in waiting, something better comes along. Absolutely. You couldn't even believe. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. Um, I, I want to sort of go back to uh, an earlier point. Wait, hold on. Mm. What was it? <laughs> what was the know. earlier point that I wanted to make? <laughs> an earlier point that you made that I wanted to add to. Darn it. This happens. I don't know. All the I time. like your microphone. Your microphone is like spectacular. I like that it flowers. At some oh, it's it's, it's like a flowering. it's a thing that the mic the microphone sits on. I think it absorbs shock, and so it you know I think um, 
yeah, I'm not, I'm sure there's some uh, uh, kinetic or something uh, reason for for this. Well, from my perspective, it just looks pretty. Kinesthetic, either kinesthetic or kinetic or or whatever the right word is. I have no idea. But there's some reason for why why it needs to sit on this thing. But but it's the, I bought it as a package and it's the thing that came with it so that I'm using it. I like it. Um, yeah, I um I actually got this uh er, in the early part of the lockdown uh and uh as you may know that I, I'm working on my second album um and uh, and because I can't go to my producer's studio I'm like oh maybe I'll I should get some equipment and do it at home but since I got the equipment um and I got it like maybe June or July uh, it sat in the boxes until now. <laughs> oh wow! I, I know that entire time I actually did not work on work on any recording. Uh, I did work on some writing here and there, uh, but I didn't. I did not work on any uh, new recording. Um, yeah, uh, I'm. Yeah. I well, admit, maybe I that's what maybe the universe <laughs> meant it to be here maybe. this time. Mm-hmm. I'm using it for my podcast. Exactly. Oh, yes. I remember the earlier point. Okay. <laughs> we, were saying, we were talking about, um, you know, having that time of reflection. And um, and you said, uh, we don't do it because it's hard. And um, and you, you kind of made also, uh, you know, made the point that I'm bringing up now I think it's hard because ultimately when you have an honest reflection it comes back to you and your responsibility in that situation and that's that's really the hard part that we're not propping up that mirror that we need to so often and and take an honest look uh, at ourselves and what we are doing in that situation what we're contributing uh, to it and don't know why I'm getting emotional. <laughs> yeah. Well, why do you think you are? Why do you think you're getting emotional? What What is this bringing up for you in talking about sort of self-reflection? Um, I don't know. Darn it. I'm going to be crying on camera. This is terrible. <laughs> you could do like the movie stars where they're like, dab, 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 right? <laughs> Oh, you know, it's so funny. Like um, when I when I perform on stage, and because I have my glasses, and um, and the glasses sometimes trap the heat that's coming out of your face, and so it gets like really foggy and yes. really like moist. And so, yes. very often when I'm performing on stage, I I you know in between songs I do this, <laughs> and people people thought I was crying. <laughs> that's to- good. Does it work? <laughs> Is it like? Does it make people think you're like deep? Or something because you're like <laughs> crying. I, I had to explain. I'm I'm not crying. It's just that my glasses are fucking up. <laughs> so funny. That's so funny. So um, so okay. So is this a cry or a glasses fogging up thing or a little? Oh uh, no no no. I was just I was just getting emotional for no reason. Um, but but I think I think it's hard. Um. So how do you? encourage or even point out the fact that hey we need to do more of this you know um how the do you dialogue self-reflection or just reflection 
And here's the thing I think also is I think some people may think they are in fact reflecting, but what they're doing is sort of digging deeper into their rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and so, so what is, what is that versus a uh, true self-reflection where you are taking an honest look at things and not just sort of, you know, uh, feeding into that loop, the narrative loop that you already have. Well, you know, for me, it's one of the things that I've learned over my life is that when I'm talking about a problem out loud to people, I'm not self-reflecting, I'm deflecting. And uh, I'm, I'm really running away from being quiet and letting that matter be. Um, and so it winds up delaying progress in whatever the outcome is that's supposed to happen. So that's one thing I've realized the hard way. It's just, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't help my walk to be talking about. I know with me, again, if I talk about something too much, it's because I'm trying to avoid it. Mm. Um, the, the other is that I've, I've come to a point now in my fifth decade of, oh my gosh of, we're in our um, fifth decade yeah yes. it's, Robin so, and I were the same age I'm so thankful for that um I'm I'm really in gratitude because um you know my mom did not I think she didn't make it to this age or, really um, mm-hmm, she yeah passed she, she passed it yes in her early 50s and so I I feel such responsibility for what uh, my walk is and what I'm gonna, what my assignment is, right? Like I take this as, okay, I have an assignment um, and it's not necessarily fully written down for me in the worldly space, but it is already written what my assignment is. Uh, So I'm, I'm very, I'm in gratitude for that. But at this point, I think, you know, what happens for me is it's sort of like I, sometimes if I'm being authentic in it, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm laid bare. Mm. Right. So I'm just kind of, and I am just allowing myself to be um, examined, really. Um, You know, I believe in God and um, I am a spiritual person. And I just sometimes feel like um, to lay bare is to be quiet in the stillness, to be on um, waters floating and not peeking to find out whether or not what's coming as a waterfall or a rock or, you know, whatever. It's just allowing myself to be carried. And that takes, that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith. And, you know, sometimes like when we're floating, you know, if you're floating really, really well, you are giving up all control and you're just really allowing water to carry you. And it's when there's doubt that comes in that you you might begin to kind of sink or falter, right? It comes over your nose. Uh, and I and you know, I don't like that feeling. I prefer to be carried, cocooned, and held and trusting. I prefer that. I've tried it the other way around and it didn't really work well for me. I don't like it. So um, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I just I, I all different things, you know, and some years ago I was I was uh, knocked to my core 
Mm. with um, a personal experience that, you know, stripped away everything that I had been, um, been being present for. And that's a loud quiet. It is a loud quiet. What mm. do you do with all of that energy that had been committed to the thing when the thing is stripped away and you're left right with yeah and, and so yeah that was a journey um which you know I think, wasn't fun but I'm thankful for it I think a lot of people are sort of experiencing that and they're sort of floundering and don't quite know what to do with themselves mm-hmm. um but um so kind of uh Because when you start floundering, right? If you start floundering, then you can you can you can be taken to the next place. It's but it's a decision again. It's a decision. Um, you know, they, so often now it's like, okay, well, if I stop floundering, I give up control, and then where am I going to be if I give up control? Well, even in articulating it like that, you're controlling where you're going. Mm-hmm. If I give up control, how do I know where I'm going to go? That means you've not given up control. Yeah, yeah. Right, which which is understandable, but you, you know, you got to kind of listen for what is underneath that and what's underneath yeah. that is fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um so going back to sort of um the self-reflection and and you said that sort of say talking to another person or telling another person about it is not self-reflection it is for me oh okay. for me I've learned that about me other people like there's some people who are really really good about getting those books where you read mm-hmm. a couple of pages and you're supposed to write down what it is that you want and then you go to the next chapter you write down and eh, I don't like it <laughs> and I don't know maybe it's like too much in my face or I, you know, yeah. if I feel like if I put it on paper it's real that doesn't work um for me so for me is that confronting right if I was to confront my fear means for me to say when you're talking about the thing in detail ad nauseum you know it's like one of those things where soon someone called hey how's it going and you retell the whole story again for for me that I know I'm avoiding the quiet Mm -hmm. and I know that the quiet is the space that often I don't like because there can be loud, um, there can be there can be findings in the quiet that I don't necessarily want to know. I may not want to know um, as I'm being still and quiet and reflective, I might not want to face what comes up, which is, you know, you did something that you know you weren't supposed to do. Right. You made that phone call you knew you shouldn't have made. And this is why it spiraled out of control. I don't necessarily that, you know, I'm a human being. So a lot of times we don't really want to face that. Uh, And that is where I have found strength is in the quiet when things come to my consciousness and I'm um, then able sometimes just to let it be. Right, because it just because of my consciousness doesn't mean I have to go do anything. It could just be that it's come to me, and I can take a look at it and understand it. 
and then just move on. Now with that, one would think, oh, she meditates. No, I do not. <laughs> do not meditate. Because I um, always wonder about if I'm doing it right. I, I think you do. I think you're meditating. I think that kind of quietness and self-reflection is meditative in a, in a general sense. Maybe you don't do the meditation, sort of the, the discipline of meditation, maybe. No, I yeah. do not. Yeah. Because I'm always wondering about if I'm doing it right. Neither do I. And I have tried uh, a few times. Uh, granted, I don't know if I gave it the, 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 a real try, real college try. Is mm. that the right expression? Gave it the college try. Um, yeah, I think I fiddled with it, but never, it never really landed. Mm. Um, and I think here, here are the times when, when I have um, sort of on a consistent basis have taken the sort of time to reflect. Um, when I used to have a car, I used to drive. You don't have a car? I don't have a car. I haven't had a car in a really long time. Are you serious? You're free. That's fantastic. Yeah, but living in New York City, you don't really need a car. I know. Although now I wish I had a car because I don't want to take public transportation. So since the lockdown started, I have not gone anywhere where I cannot walk to. I I refuse to take a bus. I refuse to take um, a subway. And um, oh, uh, with the exception, uh, you know, when we did... um, you know, gather family stuff. My sister would, you know, come and pick me up, that sort of thing. So other okay. than that, I have not taken cabs. I have not taken anything. Uh, a complete avoidance. <laughs> yeah, that may just, be the best thing. You just, um, yeah, it's a well, it, it, It's partly because, um, you know, my elderly mother lives with me. And so any exposure that I bring home will be exposing her. And so I just want to- That is very kind of you. Not everyone is as kind. So yes. (laughs) But it's also, I I also do have a general understanding of how viruses work. (laughs) How infectious disease- Here's the thing. (laughs) If someone just said to somebody, it's a cold. If you had someone you knew had a cold, and they come in, up in your house and they're talking in your face, would you perhaps not want them in your face? Because <laughs> you don't want to get the cold. Yeah. That's it. Well, and if I said to you, you could have a conversation with this person if you put some sort of barrier across your face that might be called a mask, <laughs> would you maybe put it on? Like, is it, do you want someone's stuff all up in your space or would you just want some sort of a Barrier. I don't know. Yeah, I we're we're not gonna go into all that misinformation that been circulating all these. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's so baseline. It, like when so, we were in grade I, school, did you want to be next to the person who had like the runny nose? No, you didn't. Well, here's no. the thing. Here's the thing. So so one of the things that I, I've really gotten sort of uh into is uh studying history. So like when the pandemic started, um, I kind of looked into the 1918 pandemic. And apparently back then people were arguing about masks too. They were. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. But did you read, so did you do in your studies, did you find out sort of where they went left in their marketing of the mask? Like what happened that caused people to not want to wear masks? Um. I, I think um, it 
it um it was about rights um like um the government or you know or the medical authorities telling them you have to wear a mask uh were infringing on their individual rights to not wear a mask it's like how can you tell me how can you tell me that i have to do something you know but um but one thing you know too see like if you're raised a certain way yeah you're not gonna question somebody tell you what to do yeah well you know and the thing is like um there are individual rights and then there are sort of um you know, public good. And sometimes you have to weigh, sometimes you have to volunteer some of your individual rights for the public good. Um, but I guess, I guess that is a line that you have to draw at which point do you do that? And the thing is, you know, over, we are, we are progressively giving up one right after another, sometimes without even knowing. Mm-hmm. Or the yeah. government, is, we're not going to go into all that in terms of what the all the di- different stuff that the government is actually doing behind our backs that, you know, whatever that sort of infringes on our individual rights. But we'll have like a, a, a tagline here, which is that's another podcast. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. But um, but anyway, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been because I've been getting really interested in history, and so. Um, when when all the riots were happening, I was like, okay, is this the end of democracy? And then I, I started look um, reading up on and watching all kinds of documentaries about all the different kinds of empires that ended and why it ended. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Uh, I, was, I was getting a little obsessive about that and how long, how long these empires lasted. Um, and what's interesting is, uh, for some reason, in my thought, uh, I always, I always thought that democracy is a relatively new phenomenon, but it's not. No. no. Uh, it, it. I mean, if you, I think ancient Greece is probably the earliest recorded um, instance of democracy, um, but it was fragile. It did not last. Mm-hmm. And so, I think even though democracy has been around a really long time, that uh, specific instances of democracy did not last very long. Um, so, did you see any consistency about what what dismantled democracy or the empires? Um, I actually, I didn't. Um, That's a good question. Um, I think, let me get back to you on that. Let me, okay. yeah, let me kind of like, yeah, um, <clears throat> put some thoughts to that and uh, and get back to you. But anyway, so, so going back to an earlier point <laughs> uh, about self-reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I think what I would like to add to that is that I think it's important that whether you're, you're self-reflecting completely on your own, which actually, actually I think takes a lot of self-discipline as well. And, um, and also a very strong foundation in terms of, um, you know, what, I don't know if I want to say a value system or, or spirituality or 
whatever it is but i think it needs to be you need to be on very solid ground in order to do a uh, a self-reflection on your own entirely on your own not aided by anything mm-hmm. um i yeah otherwise i think you're so easily you can be so easily swayed to the different voices in your head and we all have voices in our head we hear you know <laughs> yeah um, absolutely absolutely and um now i think also <clears throat> though um listening to people who may not always give you that warm and cuddly feeling you know people who might poke holes in your sort of narrative or your thinking yeah. or mm-hmm. um or people who i mean I, i'm not talking about people who are maliciously trying to malign you or or trying to put you down that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about who may uh, bring a different perspective or actually tell you hey I think the way you're looking at that is wrong or the or your logic there is flawed or you know or maybe you should stop doing that or thinking that or saying yeah. that you yeah. know um, that having around us people who have different perspectives who can give us perspective um, and shed a different light on things that we we think we know or we're seeing or or you know wondering about i i don't know that uh, there's enough of that going on i think there's a lot of sort of like um people seeking confirmation and for confirmation's sake Mm -hmm. and um that you know if someone happens to disagree with you that it's it's not only the fact that you're disagreeing with me is that you're wrong or yes or not only are you wrong but you're a bad person you're a bad person yeah you're unworthy of being in this particular space yeah absolutely absolutely like your whole character is attacked (laughs) my goodness you know i know um i mean i don't know where i got this from but you know, growing up, um, people who actually uh, said negative things about me, either to me or about me, I actually paid attention to them more and, and what they said. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm trying to, not that I'm trying to cater to people or, you know, it, it didn't come from a place where I want everyone to like me, you know. But if somebody said something, you know, disagreeable or bad or whatever, even if it was, even if it did come from a malicious place, I wanted to know where that came from, you know, like not only, you know, where that person's coming from, but was it, what is it that I said or how I said, or what it is that, that I did that um, made that person react that way? Yeah. Do you think you're still yeah. that way? I'm less that way. Remember our, our colleague Dottie? Oops, yes. Say that? Yeah, yes. Dottie. Anyway, so I remember one of the things that she used to love saying uh, that she's 50 years old and, and she can say, well, what was it? I'm 50. 
I can say whatever I want or I'm 50. How did she say it? I don't know, but let me tell you this. That's where I am right now. I know. know, Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I think I was always a little bit like that. But after I got to a certain age and I'm like, I don't give a shit anymore. Was she 50 when we were all working together? Uh, She was because, you know, gosh, we thought she was so much older than us. No, no. Well, you know, she smoked like like a chimney. So I think that. But no, but it's fascinating because you know, like I'm working with folks now. We were in our back then. Yeah, and yeah. I'm assuming the. Yeah, I I have found of late. Uh, I have to watch referencing some people I encounter in the professional space. Um, not in this particular place I'm in now, but you know. I would be talking to people about like, oh yeah, the kids. I'm like, oh wait, 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 that's not appropriate. <laughs> they're so much, they seem so young and they're not, but they are yeah. compared to me. But yeah, um, I, had to, I had to catch myself about that. Wow. I don't know. I think I think I, I, I always looked at people who are younger than me as a kid. Yeah, it doesn't matter how old so I was. Oh I, I could be in my twenties and anybody who was 19 as a kid. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but these it's these thirty year olds. They're like, they're so they're so young and not young, right? Like if I if yeah. I think about it from my thirty year old self, you know, I wasn't a kid. Oh my gosh, but... when we were thirty, though, I don't know. In my thirties, I felt like I owned the world. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. so now here we are, a couple of decades later, and we encounter thirty year olds who feel like they own the world and yeah. I have to remember yeah you do feel like that because you're yeah. 30 it's just that I'm sitting here with two more decades under my belt thinking to myself you don't know nothing yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. gonna you're gonna you're gonna evolve you're gonna emerge into you know your better self and your better self and your better self um, from uh, that. so this is sort of like uh digressing but it's okay uh so what what uh what decade of your life, like your teens, 20s, 30s, 40s, was your favorite? Oh, man. Ooh, good. I, not 30s. <laughs> really? Mm-mm. Oh my God, I had so much loss in my 30s and gains, but so like, uh. like, you know, I lost core of my family in my 30s. 30s was, oof. 30s was tumultuous. Not bad, just tumultuous. Mm. Um, so yeah, not 30s. Um, I don't know. I think maybe I really enjoyed 20s. You know what? I enjoyed different decades for different reasons. Mm. Okay. Right? Okay. Let's, so let's, that's, that's my answer. So, okay. That's my answer. But let's spell it out then. What did so, you like about your 20s? and 20s was, you know, sort of emerging responsibility, um, being able to kind of try things out in a safe space. So like, even with my first job in my 20s, you know, I had my own space and um, was paying my own rent and had benefits and everything. I was living in a house that had three or four other women in it, mm-hmm. right? It was blocks from my place of employment. Yes, I had a car, but I wasn't really on my own. The place that we lived was owned by the institution. 
So my first lease was written with the institution, not with a for real landlord. So I got to kind of emerge in um, bite-sized ways so that I think the first lease I wrote on my own was four years after I graduated from college. Even though I lived on my own or lived with roommates from as soon as I got out of college to that. So I was able to just try out new things in spaces where um, there was there was safety or kind of porous boundaries. So that's what I liked about my 20. Oh my God, I had like a Caesar here. It was like fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Just met really interesting people. I traveled. Um, yeah, because I think it was in my 20s actually. Yeah, it was in my 20s when I went overseas for the first time. It was just a really, yeah, I met and married in my 20s. Yeah, so from 20 to 29, I'm, yeah, I went from graduating, traveling, job, everything, meeting um, the man I was going to marry. And then how was I got married? I think I got married in my 30s, but I met him in my 20s. So it was just this whole, like, it was big. It was big. I got a second degree in my 20s. That was a lot. That was a got, lot. Oh, oh, yeah, you got your second degree. Yeah. yeah that was a lot in, yeah. in nine years. In, in the living of it, it didn't feel fast or anything. But, no. Yeah. yeah. In, in our 20s, like, I mean, actually, you, there you go. I mean, we, we, I think in our 20s, we're able to take on so much. And it, we had the energy, I think. We, you know, in your 20s, you have the energy and you have sort of the uh, acumen. And, and also, by the time you hit your like mid to late 20s, you have a sense of like who you are. You've sort of gotten beyond that sort of teenage mindset. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think, I think too, have, for me, yeah. though, I was privileged to have the grace to do that. Like, I didn't, like, I never felt like I had to succeed or bust, hmm. right? Um, and I, I think that's a privilege, right? I, I just, you know, if, if, if I failed at something, you know, I had, I was in proximity of family, friends, and, and I had... Um, always had sort of a, a soft place to land as long as I had a plan. I remember um, mm. early in one of my jobs. Um, so you felt like you have a sort of a safety net. I knew yeah. I had a safety net. I, yeah, I know to this day I have a safety net. Yeah, that's, but I have to have so, a plan. Like you can't, Yeah, it's not allowed. You're not allowed to just go and sit in the corner and sulk. That is I, not allowed. From what I know about you and your family, I think that came from your parents. It did. Yeah. It did. You you was always, you know, did you try? Did you do your best? Um, there's no such thing as can't. Yeah. Uh, you know, always. And, and it was literally, you can always come home, but you need to have a plan. And it's not in that order. It is, as you are coming home, you need to have that plan already set up. And so there there's like agency in that um but but there's grace in it as well where you know one can make a mistake and then 
sort of live to fight another day. Yeah. Um, and, and that's made that's made a huge difference in my life. And I, I think, you know, it's I know it's a blessing. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a privilege to have that. Yeah. Um in, in my case, well, my my father passed away when I was 24. And so by 26, um, for between 24 and 26, I don't know how we lived um, because my mother decided to move in with one of my sisters who, who was married at the time. And the other sister soon got married. And so I think between when I was like 25 and 27, uh, I was completely on my own, me and my brother. And um, and I don't know exactly how we lived because I think I was like, maybe maybe I had some odd jobs here and there. I mean, our you know monthly expenses weren't very high back then. So, um, and I think I may have pretty much lived on my credit card. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but here's the thing. So by, uh, by the time I was 26 or 27, I think 27, um, my sister and my mother decided to move back to New York. And that's when my mother moved in with me. So from that point on, I was the safety net. Like I had the wow. responsibility. Yeah. So, so that was sort of, um, and, and that's been, that's still the case. <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, so it was like, but, you know, for some reason, I never felt like, um, I never really worried. I worry more now, I think, now that I'm sort of, you know, in between in my career. Um, well, we're not gonna, I don't want to get into, into that too much. Um, but, um. I think I worry more now, but back then, and this, this is the thing about your twenties is I feel like when you're in your twenties, you feel invincible. Mm -hmm. like you could do anything. You're impervious to any kind of harm. Like, you know, you could be thrown and, you know, uh, and all kinds of things can happen to you, but you could always bounce back. And that, and that is how I felt back then. And mm -hmm. so it didn't really matter that you know I had to support my mother I'm like of course they can why not of course you know and at the time I was working and mm -hmm. um, you know um, yeah but it's I think I think um, would I have made the same decision now knowing what I all the things I know uh, I mean probably <laughs> wait which decision what um to take my mother in, yeah. It's so hard to say. I mean, you know, yeah. you know my my journey with my marriage and stuff, right? And so, you know, I think about it, right? I it's so easy to say, oh yeah, I would never have done that again. But you know, there are things I would have missed. Yeah, there there um, there are people who wouldn't have met each other. Like, there's so many things. It's like, what's that movie? One of my favorite movies is A Wonderful Life, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Stewart. That's real, right? It if is. If you take a certain turn, there are things that don't manifest. So, you know. and Maybe not is, quite as dramatic as that. You know, Not quite as dramatic. Yeah. In the movie, it, it literally is life and death. 
it is, but I'm all about Zuzu's petals. <laughs> But that that's what that's what's helped me. That's what that's what's kept me humble. And you know, it it keeps that's what's kept me from staying bitter. Because yeah. there were there was a time where I was in bitterness, but from staying bitter, because then who who am I to question what God has for me, what the universe has for me? To, to uh, stay in the question, I did question. Oh yes, of course. Of, of, but, of course. I still mm-hmm. question him. I still question him. But I would say that's another podcast. It is another podcast. We could do a whole freaking podcast just about that. Well, 20s were fun. You know, when being a little kid was fun. And man, we would play for hours outside. It just. All right, let's move on to 30s. (laughs) I I liked my 30s. I felt like um, I finally became comfortable in my own skin in my 30s I think until then I think um, I was never quite um, secure in my skin I always felt like I was you know I don't know I was awkward I think Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah Um, I think I was always a little awkward but in my mm-hmm. 30s, I felt, I think, I sort of kind of found my stride and felt comfortable in my own skin. And it was okay to have something to say and actually say it. Uh, but it was also okay to not have an opinion about something and just listening to people. Like, you know, I was comfortable. Be, just mm-hmm. be, Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hit my stride in my 40s. 30s was I'm, I'm telling you 30 it just threw me for a loop it just well for, I, and it was just constant a lot like was knew, happening yeah it was a lot and I, I think it's interesting what you say I think in 30s I hit my stride but I may have been on the wrong road mm. right so it didn't match my walk um and then when I was when in my did you 40s, know that at the time though? Did you know that at the time? I knew something was off, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that. No, I did not know that. I just knew something was off, and I kept trying to fix, literally fix what was off. And I think that that was uh, that caused more problems than not me me trying to fix, 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 um, cause more more dissonance. Um, yeah. So I think I think that, but that's you know that's me reflecting now, what twenty years later, um, yeah. and having having the privilege to be able to to do that. I do remember in my forties, I actually um, told a very good friend of mine one time, you know, I think I'm going to try to walk in the pants God gave me. No, I said I think I'm going to try to wear the pants God gave me um, because I spent a lot of time in my thirties trying, continuing something that I think I started when I was probably in high school of sort of diminishing myself in order to make, like you were talking about, in order to make people feel better, but it wasn't really to make people feel better. It was to make them feel okay with me, to make them, not to make them like me, but just to feel like I wasn't other right? Or the outlier or the person who gets all the different opportunities and stuff like that. Um, I actually didn't 
say that. I, I said the opposite. I know I'm moving yeah. off of your thing. Yeah, so it's not <laughs> the same. It's not the same. Um, but there was a lot of diminishment of uh, me. And I think that's part of the reason now, like when I hear, when I heard my bio read um, a couple of months ago that I was surprised mm. because I haven't owned any of that. I've just been kind of going along. I haven't owned that. I don't, I don't, I don't brag about stuff. And I, I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. I just kind of, you know, I'm kind of like, hey, look, I'm cool. I'm okay being in this space or that space or this space or that space. And okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Harvard, but it doesn't mean I don't get to. Up. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and so, and, but I've had over my life, someone say, people say to me, oh, you went to this or, oh, you're part of that. Therefore, you're not, you don't belong here or you don't understand us or, or something like that, which is, which is hurtful and harmful, right? I don't want to be labeled and discounted automatically just because I um, joined something or was part of something or was born into a particular family. And before someone gets to know me, they just automatically say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're one of those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also acknowledging that 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 does happen. And, mm-hmm. it and does, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I, oh, yeah. yeah, I've been witness to that. I've been witness to that, which is so it's understandable. And in, and in those spaces, you know, I wouldn't get mad at the person. I understand where it's coming from. Yeah. I just wanted a chance to be and to let the person get to know me or whatever my purpose was and then determine whether or not that label fit or not. And um, so my reaction to a lot of that for a very long time was to just not speak on it. I would just kind of Mm. just not, not bring it up. Um, You know, and in my forties, I was like, you know what, this is not helping me because I keep doing this and Mm. in particular people would keep just dumping, dumping, dumping. And I, I realized, oh, you know what? That's not about me. That's about kind of them and where they are in this moment. Yeah. And I don't need to take responsibility for that. You know, that's their journey. That's yeah. their journey. But it took me till my 40s to get to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, my 40s, I became, that's when I became really uh, self-reflective. I think I was, uh, to some extent, um, always self-reflective um I have this sort of loner streak in me I I mean I can be sociable but I also I think there's a there's a huge chunk of me where I'm perfectly fine being by myself and I'm kind of a loner um and so when you are though you do kind of live in your own head and you think a lot and 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 my form of thinking a lot also was was sort of self-reflection and I think that's that's why I I started writing and then later on uh writing songs um because I think that's that's sort of like where it comes from but um but in my 40s I remember I became incredibly self-reflective and um and I remember do you remember uh, should we say names yeah whatever do you remember Andrew Camacho he was in uh, HR 
doing uh ee employee what is I remember EE? the name, but I, yeah, not the yeah. person. Well, he and I, we became uh, uh, quite um, close uh, at some point, and we, you know, we talked a lot and stuff. And and um, but anyway, one time I was talking to him, and I was kind of like, you know, saying stuff, and um, <laughs> and at the end of that, he was like, "Oh my." gosh I thought I thought a lot you you kind of like take it to a whole nother level <laughs> you do you do I did I don't do it so much anymore and I kind of miss that well but didn't you say you're writing a book I'm writing a book no did you say that you no. didn't say you're writing a book no do you want to write a book do you feel like you want to write a book and then you're perhaps afraid to write a book? No, I don't know that I, I ever had a book in me. I could have sworn you said you wrote a, you were writing a book. I was you said you're working book. on your second album. Yes. You didn't say you, you're going to have to play back the, you're going to have to play back the recording and see if you said it. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think there was ever a time when I was actually writing a book. There might no. have been are you going to? I thought you said that that's one of the things that you're going to be doing. No? I don't know. I mean, what would I have, what would I, if I did say that, what, like, what would I be writing about? Do you remember? Well, I know what it, no, I just, well, first of all, I thought you said it. Secondly, it wouldn't surprise me if you write, if you wrote a book because you're so self-reflective, right? And even in like the photographs you've taken, recently and the ones you took in all your travels between that and your songs which essentially are poems or prose yeah you have a book yeah I guess um you know actually when I was doing the hundred word stories and I'm I'm sorry that I stopped doing it I should have kept it up but you know at some point it kind of I don't know became a lot for some reason and um I felt like I was pressured. I, I was pressuring myself to like put out a hundred word story like every day when I couldn't do it every day, it became once a week and then once a month. And I'm like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> like I'm done. I, ah. I, I, I kind of hope to pick it back up and, and continue doing it. Cause I, I really enjoyed it when I was doing it, but, um, but I, at, at the time I felt like I was pressured to come up with something to say every day and, and whatever. I, you know what it is? I felt like I, I felt the I, I was pressuring myself to come up with some incredible insight every day. And it doesn't have to be, it could just be whatever. Yeah. It's just an exercise. Um, yeah, I need to stop doing that. But anyway, so when I was doing the 100 word stories, and those of you who want to check it out uh, on Instagram, hashtag JJKO100, uh, you could that's where all my hundred one hundred word stories are. Um, some of them are actually quite quite funny and quite good, uh, if I do say so myself. I love it. Uh, but um, uh, one of my friends who who kind of read it on a regular basis, he liked it so much that he said, um, you know, that if I he actually suggested that I come uh, collect all of that and put it out as a book, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I, I, if I continue. Um, doing the 100 word stories I think I might do that do a compilation and put it out how many do you have I think right now I think I have 97 I don't quite have 100 even 
how many oh do you feel like you need to have a hundred for a hundred word stories oh it's a nice nice number it nice is round nice. number it is nice yeah um yeah so I all I have to do is write three more <laughs> or you leave space in the book for people to write their three. Oh, that's interesting oh and it's kind of fitting because you always um you seem to be to thrive in the dialogue. So it's a way to kind of let the reader dialogue with you, dialogue along with you based on what you've shared of yourself. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, I love it. And then if they do their hundred word <laughs> stories, then every once in a while you would have something where you created a space for people to share their hundred word story. I don't know, like on a podcast. Oh, or, look at that. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. That would be amazing. So okay. Excited. So Robin's idea, I, I, I'm going to run with that. So um, if you are so inclined to write a hundred word story, um, tag uh, JJKO 100 and then, and then I'll, I'll see it if you do that. Because um, after reading your story, so you also want to know if people are going to submit their hundred word stories, what was one of your stories that inspired them uh i like it yeah okay <laughs> so yes read my stories uh again instagram hashtag jjko 100 uh read my stories and if any one of them uh inspires you in any particular way uh write your own uh 100 word story and hashtag it jjko100 and i will see it and then and then do i include that in my book or or consider it or what if i don't like it Uh oh <laughs> yeah so the thing yeah so my my idea so i think your idea is a cool idea i think another idea is for you to write the book and within the book itself uh -huh. whether or not that book is released electronically or it's released as an actual paper book, you would have three spaces in the book for people to write their hundred word story. Ah, okay. So if it's like a hard co copy book, then three blank pages for them to write their own stories and add mm -hmm. to it. And then you 100. can decide if you wanted to intersperse that, um, you know, if, if, I would imagine if I were talking to you and you were sort of reading the stories to me, at some point you would pause and you would want feedback. Like once you got to like the 15th story, you'd be like, ah, oh, I wonder what does the person think about these 15 I wrote? And then you would want to get dialogue with them. And then the person would be telling you what they thought. And I could see you and your spirit saying to them, hey, you know what? That would be a really good story. You should write it, right? Yeah, because like, you're always you're giving in that way. It's this iterative kind of um, exchange that yeah. that you do. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So let's let's table that then. I think that's a very interesting idea. Only oh, well, only because I think it requires a little bit of thought and planning mm -hmm. uh, to do that. So let's table that, and then I'm going to bring you on board, Robin, to help me flesh it out. <laughs> okay, that's fun. I yeah. like it. Yeah, it's good. I was going to offer to help. Oh, awesome. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's great. And I think, you know, that you there there's power in the number three, right? Yeah. Three-legged stool. You know, yeah. there's so many. Yeah. So 
I don't know, you could leave it short of a hundred and it yeah. could just be. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. it's great. I think it's yeah. great. Um, I think where I did leave off was, so my hundred word stories were sort of a combination. I, I started on, um, I think was it 2018, uh, January 1st, 2018. Um, is that right? I feel like, no, that's not it. Maybe 2019. Anyway, so I started. Uh, yeah, I think it's 2019. Um, and then it became. It started with just everyday random stories. Um, and then I lost my earphones. I couldn't oh, hear. Oh, well, that's okay. You said I, you started January 2019. Yeah, January 1st, 2019. And then I I started with everyday random stories, just random occurrences and observations and stuff. And then at some point, I decided to switch uh, to uh, telling. Um, stories about my travels, the travels that I did in, in 2017. That was after I left my corporate job, and I decided, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to be in this corporate space anymore. So I, I left my job with no plans, and I decided that I, I one of the things I was going to do was actually travel, and that's another whole podcast, I think, talk about that. Um, so I traveled uh, a bit um, altogether, uh, first three months, like here and there, short trips, and then uh, three continuous months um, overseas and, and uh, uh, cross-country U.S. Um, it's very interesting. Anyway, so we could talk about that another time. Um, I like it, yeah. So, yeah, so I started writing about my travels, um, and I did that for a while, and then I... And then later on, I intermixed it with uh, stories about my music and, and stuff. So, so it's sort of like a hodgepodge combination. But in terms of my travel stories, where I left it off um, was, I think, kind of a nice place to leave off when I did. Um, but I definitely would like to continue um, my travel stories because I felt like I feel like that's a story that needs to be finished mm -hmm. because because as an event it had a starting point and it had an end point so you know so i i could do that um yeah well, you could decouple yeah. the 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 um group of 97 and you could take portions out that you think fit a particular theme or moment yeah. in time or whatever and lift those up so that they could be you know a number of like a series of books that yeah. are all based on the approach of a hundred word stories, but it's, you know, how they have those different like chicken soup for the souls, like chicken soup for this. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah. You could yeah. just do, do that. It could be just different hundred word stories under different themes. Yeah. 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 That's so, really cool. And I'll come to your book signing and ask like a pointed question. <laughs> no, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, how did we get into this? We were talking no about our 40s. Uh, yeah, 40s for you, I think you said, oh, that's when you sort of came into your own skin, I think. That's what you said. Yeah, I gained my power. Yeah. I felt yeah. like I, I got, I, I turned to face myself in my 40s. Yeah. 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 So I think it was um, good. You know, and it was sort of a decision point. Um, I gifted myself the gift of a leather couch and went to those appointments with the therapist. It was, yes, very helpful, very helpful, um, which I'd never done. So 
And, you know, and that was something that was recommended to me and I, I tried it. Uh, and, you know, it, it helped, it helped. Um, and it helped me sort of realize some decisions I needed to make that I was afraid to make and, and wasn't really mm. present to. So, yeah, yeah, that was my 40s. My 40s, I feel like, um, was kind of a continuation of my 30s, but sort of, so 30s, stuff that happened in the 30s sort of laid the groundwork and 40s is when I accomplished them, I feel like. So 30s and 40s, I feel like is one sort of continuation, but, you know, things that started in 30s sort of came to fruition in the 40s. Um, So 40s, I think for me was a very productive year I mm-hmm. did a lot of stuff and actually 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 did stuff as opposed to just thinking about stuff you know um, yes. but it was also a very contemplative year too um mm-hmm. very reflective year mm-hmm. and there were a few people in, in my life where that I I co- actively corresponded with um to sort of keep a record of my thoughts because for some reason I was never really good at journaling (laughs) you know go figure Uh, but I was good at writing letters and writing long-form emails and before emails I was good at writing actual physical letters and so all those letters are lost of course I mean I don't know lost but they were you know sent to people and I don't know what happened to them if people kept them or not but emails, of course, because it's electronic, I have, you know, I have copies of those. Um, so at one point, I think I need to collect all of that and, and see, you know, I need and to And do what with them? I, I don't know. And see if maybe there's a book in there. Oh, <laughs> Is that what you're, oh, where you are going? book. Yeah. I honestly... <laughs> you just, so I think at some point you just said, like, not too long, you said you don't really write. But like... You're constantly writing. I don't journal. Yeah, but a little earlier than this, I yeah. think you said you don't really write or you don't know what to write or something like that. Yeah, I don't know what to write in terms of a book, like if I were to write a book. So now, but all these book ideas that you're telling me now, these are compilations of stuff. That it's not like- Yeah, they're books. Yeah. You've written, yeah, a book is just the interweaving of thoughts into something. Right. Um, and so it could be yeah, I guess. fiction or not. Yeah. You have people like very, very, very famous writers who produce books of short stories. Yeah. Um, you know, you got people like Hemingway writing stuff where one oh, yeah. sentence runs two or three pages, you know. Yeah. So a, love Hemingway. Yeah. yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. I do too. So yeah, it's just you you have the makings of something that could be produced into Absolutely. Yeah, well, maybe that's that's what I do in my sixties. <laughs> Started compiling. <laughs> well, okay, I, I, I got, I, I got. I feel like I feel. Am like I, I waiting that long to help you? I thought you said I'm helping you. I have to wait. Oh, right, right, right. No, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're helping me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. so that's what I do in my fifties. Then, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like I absolutely do in my fifties. Before my fifties is over, I absolutely do need to uh, put out my second album. <laughs> and or publish your book uh both I I guess Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm, you know is what I have to do 
But uh, okay, how did this well, podcast you know those, become like a list of homework for me? <laughs> no, it's not homework. It's not homework. It's emergent but, opportunities. No, I know. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm, because you yeah. don't have to be either or. Because if you do your album, what, I, what I'm privy to is like these people who are like musical artists and things like that. And then at some point they take their lyrics and they publish them along with like, yeah. pictures of liner you know like what um Lin-Manuel Miranda did with Hamilton right so there's the musical but then there's the book yeah that and it had oh my god it's like so you because it's you know <laughs> one part of the book might be sort of like how they went through the workshopping of getting a song done and another one is the actual lyrics and another one is, is interspersed with all these pictures and it's just really you know if I were naming it would be called kind of journey with us or journey to a musical something like that is is that interesting would that be interesting um I guess you know I think maybe because yeah I guess I don't know that's what your publisher's for so your publisher your editor would figure out the spin um Which, and you know, you're a really, really interesting person. So there's so oh, many different thank you. angles. Yeah, there are different I angles. Don't know that I am, but. You are. <laughs> there, you know, and there, there, there are these different kind of angles that could be um, used. I, you know, a, a I will say this. Mine, I will yeah. say this. I think I was much more interesting person in my 40s than in my 50s. My 50s, I'm actually back to like, trying to find myself that's where I am I feel like I've come a full circle mm. and and trying to figure out what it is that I'm I'm trying to do even okay. at, even as I'm doing it mm-hmm. yep yeah. I absolutely agree and and is that like uh are you seeing that as an opportunity or as sort of a, a challenge Um, kind of neither so what do you see it as it it's I think it's kind of a uh, it's hard to put into words it's kind of um I mean, I don't, I don't know if the word ex- exploration is, is quite not it. So, okay. So there isn't this very clear sort of intention yet. It, there is, and there isn't. Um, so I think, I think in my, in my forties, I think that's one of the things that sort of marked my forties is I was very clear in my vision and thinking and sort of planning and and also doing and manifesting right Mm. um I think now is there isn't that clarity necessarily so it's it's very sort of foggy murky whatever Mm -hmm. but I know I have to go through it so I do (laughs) that's a good thing yeah, that's a good thing. It's funny. I see it sort of as a even 
like this is for me. It's like you've been journeying, journeying, journeying. Now you can like shoot into oh, I, whatever your next thing is. That's, I don't that's think, how I. Yeah, that's how I feel. Oh, that's how you feel about yourself. It's just like a mmm. Yeah, and you're just shooting. Yeah, not uncontrolled, but it's just you're you're like all of this stuff that I've lived and experienced to now allows me to now go to this next yeah um emergent space yeah mm-hmm. yeah which is cool which is cool no that this is, is what that i is, see for you but we'll, that we'll, no we'll that is awesome but well, i'm gonna tell you why i don't quite feel that way i think i think um um i think for you in terms of your your career um because so much so much sort of hinges on what we the thing that occupies most of our waking hours right and in most cases for you know in today uh most people work and so uh not that most people have a career but anyway uh, sorry long roundabout way of saying um i think for me for me there was a break and it's now becoming four years almost four years now like middle of this year will be four years so it's been three and a half years that's quite of a long break not that I haven't done stuff mm-hmm. uh in between um but you know it was work 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 and for tw- about 20 years of that it was corporate life work before that I worked for smaller companies and then all of a sudden I took a break rather abruptly I Earlier in the in the year in 2017, it was like February, maybe March or something. I just decided that okay, I'm gonna leave, <laughs> and I'm gonna leave. Yeah, at the end of like it, at first it was like middle of June, yeah. But um, but it ended up being end of May. But I'm gonna leave, and I have no idea what I'm doing after that. But that's okay. I'll figure it out, right? And I think had I planned that break a little better and put more thought into it, or I don't know, that's a whole other conversation, I think. But anyway, but I think that break, I think, sort of uh, helped uh, or contributed to the murkiness. I think had there been sort of a more cohesive transition, um, I think, I think that you know things would be more clear. But it's not, because I think I'm still sort of post corporate, but not necessarily clear what that next thing is. I'm still in that sort of transition period. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I'm quite there have found what my next chapter is okay um yeah in certain terms yeah 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 and yeah and you you know you I, I think you'll probably get to the point where um it, it will manifest for you and or you'll realize that you are in your next chapter and you'll yeah. be okay with the next chapter I mean you know you you've you gifted yourself something that a lot of us never, never 
are yeah. courageous enough to exercise. Yeah, I, I have been working nonstop since college. Yeah. Nonstop. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but you know, I've I've not had um, a break to just travel or whatever. Yeah. And this concludes part one of this episode. Please return to the podcast episode listing for part two.